Hello and welcome to It's Lit, where all things literary live at the root. I'm Maisha Kai, Managing Editor of The Glow Up, and today we have some very special guests. Yes, that's guests, plural, because today for the first time on It's Lit, we have a husband and wife duo. That's right, today we are joined by the multi-talented power couple, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. Now, most people know Dwayne from his 16-year basketball career, which included winning three NBA championships with the Miami Heat, a team for which he was a star player. And most people know Gabrielle from her illustrious acting career in iconic films like Bring It On, Bad Boys 2, and The Honeymooners, not to mention Being Mary Jane. But Gabrielle has also been developing something of a writing career in the past few years. In 2017, her collection of essays, We're Going to Need More Wine, Stories That Are Funny, Complicated, and True, was a New York Times bestseller and was named Best Book of the Year by The Root. Gabrielle also wrote a children's book in 2020 called Welcome to the Party, celebrating the arrival of the Wade's youngest daughter, Kavia James Union Wade, into the family. Now, the couple has come together to write a second children's book based on Kavia called Shady Baby. And we had the distinct privilege of getting to talk to them about how the book came to be and what their collaborative writing process looked like and what they hope kids will take away from the story. Let's just say we really hope this is only the first of many Shady Baby books. So with that, let's dive in. Wayne and Gabrielle, welcome to It's Lit. It's lit. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are thrilled to have you. I, I think this is actually a really major milestone for our podcast because, you know, we've had some really incredible talents on It's Lit to date, you know, some really acclaimed writers. We have never actually had the parents of such a famous child. <laughs> so this is really a big deal for us. And uh, we are going to talk about your shady baby <laughs> and the book that you've written in her honor. But uh, we have a little icebreaker and it's lit since this is a podcast about black books and writers. We love it when our guests kick off the episode by naming at least one book that has been a game changer for them. So was there a book or books you can you can name more than one for each of you? No, you go ahead. I'm thinking. Well, mine are going to come fast. I'm like, mine are coming fast. <laughs> Um, when I was younger, the book that changed my life was Coming of Age in Mississippi by uh, Ann Moody. And then yes, by the time I hit my senior year of college, uh, Professor Hill at UCLA assigned autobiography of Malcolm X. And he suggested that we reread it every year as we get older, because you'll relate to some other part of his journey and done it every year. And so autobiography of Malcolm X is, is um, Alex Haley. I don't have anything that great um, at all. I, I grew up, I grew up just caring about basketball, <laughs> and so you know anything like you know Michael Jordan come out with a with a book or anyone like that, I was I would read it. And so I can't say anything that I've read have changed my. Um, That's not true. No, I can't. I can't say. I'm That's not, not true. Well, well won't you jump in? Because you started like we started. We had different. Um, I said change. She said change book, my life. Book clubs. I do believe. Okay. Well, what is it? Marley and me. Oh, if you don't stop yeah. it. <laughs> uh, we decided to read the book before we saw it. Oh, my God. Anyway, 
So, I, yeah, so I like most of the books that I read, they be movies, too, you know, so I don't know if it changes my life, but um, I, I do like to join a couple of book clubs every now and again. You and Chad had a book club this whole pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we, we read a lot of books from James Baldwin. We we read um, I read a book from uh, Bob Iger, that Bob Iger's book that he wrote. I mean, I read a lot. I'm just someone she said it changed my life. I don't read okay. none of this. If it didn't change your life, it didn't change your life. But you know, I do I do I do love that you're you're both readers, you're both avid readers, you're both also authors. I know Gabrielle, you've had your memoir. You've also this isn't even your first children's book, because I know that Welcome to the Party, I remember we covered that. And Dwayne, I know you've written about being a father before, and you have another book coming out this year, which we will hopefully get to feature for you as well. But this one is about a very special person in your family, <laughs> who a lot of us who follow you on social media have become very familiar with in the last two and a half years, Miss Shady Baby herself, Kavya James. Um, and I want to get something out of the way right away, because I think there is this myth that I think it's a, a myth that writing a book for children is somehow easier than writing a, a book for adults. And I've had some children's authors on who have said no. <laughs> that's not the case. What was this experience like for you two? It's been a long process to be yes. honest. I was like, oh, uh, yes. I was like, it took longer to do Cobb's book than it did the the way longer the the one I have coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Because you have to. For us, we had to work from what are our, our goals? What do we want the reader to take away? And then work, and then make sure everyone is in alignment from you know the publisher to, to us, to our illustrator, to make sure that we found uh, another black female illustrator. So if you're not willing to compromise it at any point, it can just take a little longer. So it took a little longer. Um, but we wanted people to, to readers to walk away from, you know, this book, uh, celebrating young black girls as leaders, celebrating young black girls as change agents in their own way, celebrating that there can be more than one brown skin little black girl in a book. What? Like people were like, she has a black friend that looks like, like you don't, I'm like, that shouldn't be a something that anyone even catches. But once, once we went back through cause books, we're like, wow, we really are even subscribing to there only can be one, you know, in children's literature. So just trying to address all of, uh, you know, all of these larger issues and then make something that's entertainable that kids are going to, are going to want to go back to again and again, that um, give you a, like a, like a little snapshot into Cobb's life, but also, you know, leaves you with a lesson. Yeah. You know, this, it's adorable. It's an adorable book. So, you know, parents out there, caregivers, teachers, it's super cute. <laughs> and, and it and it really is a cute little teachable moment. And I was really just enchanted by this little person who I know is enchanting in real life. Uh, but like your family, this was a collaborative effort. What was that like working together on this thing? I'm just I'm just the overseer here. Like I just <laughs> like I just get, to, you know, I come in at the end and I just be like, OK, let's take this out. Let's you no, know, but. It's, it's, it's cool because, you know, we both have, and, and we're, we're different people, first of all, and so we have um, different ideals when it comes to certain things. And so sitting down writing this book for Kav, it wasn't like every step of the way, he was like, yeah, yeah, it was things that I, I wanted to see um, as a Black father, and it wanted to see as a, as a Black mother, you know, as well. So it was, uh, like she said, I've, I'm on my second book, she's written two books, and this was probably 
the longest because it was a lot of no, no, no. I'm not. I don't want that. That's not what I want. We had to agree. <laughs> we had to agree. Like to the, the small details of everything when it came to cough. And the only thing we agreed on probably was the the sunglasses on the. <laughs> <laughs> I think we was like, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, it it was great to kind of go through this process with my wife and kind of, you know, we we raise a child together, but at the same time, we're trying to figure out like what do we want to portray uh, this young black girl as, you know, to the world. And right there was a little, it took a little pause out of us because we wanted to make sure that we were very clear, you know, in a kid's book, the way that we can be. And so that was it was a little challenging. Well, you know, you did it. I think you did it really artfully because, I mean, some of the things I noticed, and maybe this is just the black girl in me, but I was like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, it's really dope, like on so many levels, like even the whole shady baby aspect, because, you know, as we know, uh, the ways in which black girls in particular are often portrayed, it's like, you know, we're some sort of like, we're always adultified. Like, I feel like you you kind of reframed the shady narrative, if as it were, this whole framing of shady as a superpower and not as as anything negative, just a kind of like, I see you and what are you doing kind of moment I thought was both adorable, but also really necessary. And also, you know, I know that in the past, you've talked a lot about like colorism, the colorism issue. And so to see this beautiful little brown girl on these like you know pages, just like running around with her friends and like, I, I do think that that's not as common as it should be either. And while, yes, that's a true representation of your family, like, I assume that was also something really deliberate for you. We just weren't really willing to compromise on any part of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, because like initially people were like, oh, shade, you know, oh, like throwing shade is negative. It's it, it reinforces stereotypes about Black women being, you know, more aggressive or angry or, you know, what have you. But then when you really kind of get into it, it's like, shade doesn't come out of thin air, you know? And when we started to, we had to take a step back. We're like, let's just watch her. Let's just observe her. And when she is, quote unquote, shady, generally it comes about when people don't respect her boundaries, don't respect her wishes, Um or something like super random happens and she's like, you know, um, but it, it kind of came down to kind of not the best behavior that she was responding to. And once you kind of reposition that as, no, if, if I'm having an, a, a reaction to your not so great behavior, I should be celebrated. There's nothing wrong with me for having a reaction to something not great that's happening. We need to be celebrating that. We need to be pushing that forward. So with the shade, it's in response to something negative of, you know, from her little playmates or whatever, whether it's not sharing or someone's, you know, being rowdy on the playground or someone's taking things or, or, you know, whatever. That's what she's responding to. It's not just shade for the sake of shade, which we do think would have reaffirmed, like re, you know, right. the, a negative stereotype. But no, we need to be listening to Black women and we need to be listening to Black girls when, 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 when they say, these are my boundaries and you're not respecting those. So whatever happens next, you, ha- you actually have coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? So be glad it's just a look I'm giving you. But if I'm offering some gentle correction, go with that. 
being corrected by a black woman shouldn't be the end of the world. It should be something that is super regular, normal. It doesn't have to have any other negative connotation, just like, oh, let's all get right together. And the fact that I gave you that correction doesn't make me a bad guy. Um, it's just a learning moment. And let's keep it pushing. So let's let's not like go the go this negative route because it's coming from a black girl. Agreed, agreed. Celebrated. And when that same black girl is in a vulnerable position where she's crying and she's upset and and doesn't have to leave because her friends are all on the same page and they can, you know, also correct and uh, and, you know, and, and to have the kids who got corrected embrace accountability and behavior modification. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, you two together as parents have been so transparent about so many things that I think you've made space for a lot of people, but I imagine that doesn't come without some some costs. You know, you you've you've done so much from talking about everything from building a blended family to, you know, welcoming Kavya to the world and that that journey and and accepting and affirming Zaya. Like how do you hope that you, the, the cost of sharing all of this helps people? Well, I think we get to, I think we, we in real time, we able to get a little feedback from people. And I, I definitely say that, that that actually feels good because you know you're on the right, you know, you know you're on the right street. And so the feedback we get from people, um, sometimes it's, hey, I never knew that. When you first said it, I didn't agree. But you guys kept talking about it. Uh, now I decided to listen. I started to ask questions. You know, I mean, like you, you could see in real time the effect that we we're having on certain people just by not doing anything special, really, just really standing up for our family. And I, I know that may come off as oh, this is groundbreaking, but it's not. This is what we feel that this is our job. And we also know that we haven't always got things right. So we're speaking from people who have not gotten it right, and we're speaking to people who probably are where we were you know, five years ago, well, 10 years ago. And so, you know, just letting everybody know, it's like, we don't have all the answers, but as we go down this journey of life, as we continue to keep elevating and evolving, this is what we're, this is what we're experiencing throughout. And we want to share our experiences with not only our kids, but with everyone, because we know it's other people just like us, you know, around the world. I mean, because usually when you get, when you have the kind of lives that we have, you pay a lot of money for publicists and managers and, you know, and, and then there's all these brands that are like, don't say this. Don't um, <laughs> and the truth is sort of, sort of lost. Transparency is like, it's not, it's non-existent. And that wasn't getting us anywhere. 
And at the end of the day, it, it erodes your soul. Um, so for us, leading with the truth, just starting there, just being transparent, it's like, uh, this is what it is. Um, and that's all we have. But, you know, like if there's movies and books and 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 teams and, and all these things, but it has to start with the truth. You know, I don't want to spend my life spinning a, a lie that I got to keep up with and remember. And but it's it's a headache and, and it doesn't help anyone. You can't help people with lies. I have found that I have I have been much more impactful just as a truth teller, as an honest person. And the truth may not sit well with everyone, but I'd rather, you know, when I started asking for the truth myself, like, don't give me what you think I want to hear or what you think I need to hear. Just tell me the truth and I'll deal with whatever that is. But I can't, I can't wrap my brain around lies. I don't know how to move from a place of dishonesty. You know what I mean? So once I realized that in my own life, why would I give anybody more of the shit I was drowning from? So, mm. I mean, but we also are privileged people. And, you know, there are points where I'm like, if I say this, I may never work again. Do you have my back? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I know the prenup I signed. Uh, um, so, you know, some of that comes with, privilege, just knowing we're not going to, you know, we're not going to starve. And I know for a lot of people, what happens? You lose, you could lose everything. You could lose everything mm-hmm. like that. Never heard from again. But I think people who, who are so inclined and certainly who, who can, who have the means and the platform and, and the, the protection and the support that we do, if we can't tell the truth, what the hell was the point? What was the point? Uh, fair and heard and uh, appreciated. And I, I am, you know, you talked about privilege and it's interesting because I think it is very easy sometimes to write people off when they're privileged. But there's also the benefit of experience. It's like, you know, you first of all, you weren't always privileged, <laughs> you know. But additionally, you know, I was thinking even like in terms of taking the time to do this, right? Like taking the time to do these projects. Like, you know, when we're talking about the transparency, but there's a huge part of me, it's also like, gosh, I feel like I would be so greedy during this particular time, especially of lockdown. Like neither one of you has actually stopped this whole time. I mean, in the last year that I've been covering, uh, that I know the route has been covering both of you, like we've seen everything from you're relaunching things and you're putting out this and acquiring stakes and basketball teams, <laughs> You know, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not a, a quiet, this is not, your quarantine has not been quiet. Let's put it that way. So, you know, this is one of those questions that usually gets asked of mothers, but I'm going to ask you, Dwayne, <laughs> about your work-life balance. <laughs> like, how are you, how are you grappling with all of this? I'm glad you asked that. I just did an interview with Candace Park the other day and I had that question and I worded it different because of our conversation. But you know what? I, this is this is different for me. You know, I ret- I've been playing basketball my entire life. And so that was five years old. I've been playing the game of basketball. And I've been retired from the game for two years. And in the midst of my personal business, I mean, my business life really kind of taken off in the last, you know, year, I've really had to learn how to be better in a lot of other areas that I didn't really have to maybe think about. You know, like I, my wife came to Miami and was kind of working around my schedule, right? Now, 
I work around her schedule and I work around the kids schedule and, you know, and, and all these things. So what I had to do is I, I had to really come out here and really humble myself and really learn life in a different way. You know, L.A. Like living for me is way different than Miami. I don't even know my wife really understands it, you know, because I don't really talk about it. We just kind of go and move. But this has been this is this is a challenge that I, you know, that I that I want to see if I can you know be great at. So balancing it all is really just understanding like, okay, what, what comes first? Like we work our butt off, but at the end of the day, our connection comes first, right? Our support for our kids and our love, our unconditional love for our kids come first. And if anything is getting in the way of that, then we have to, you know, we have to move on from that. And so because of our family, because we, like the kids know who, who, who Gab is, they understand who I am. They know we like to get it. They know we like to work. They know we grind. They allow us to do those things. And so all the jobs that we have is allowed for my kids and each other um, because we just we want to see each other, you know, be happy. We want to see each other succeed. And so we just balance it through that. You know, we balance it through putting each other first and everything else come out there. I love this healthy black love moment. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and also shout out to your other kids. I think that's important for us to do here because... (laughs) You know, Kavi gets a lot of the spotlight, but you have, I believe, four other children, correct? Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that also, I, I have to ask, like, she's only two and a half right now. Um, does she look at this book and recognize herself? Yeah. Immediately. immediately. Which was, <laughs> she knew it was her. <laughs> we got a video. We yeah. going to put that video out? Oh, I guess we should. <laughs> but yeah, like first time she saw it, I mean, the pages were empty because it was just, we just had the cover and she was like, baby cough. And we were like, okay, okay. Like with welcome to the party, she was like mommy, but she didn't think of the baby as her. But with shady baby, she was like, baby Kavya. Baby Kavya. This baby Kavya. And we were like, yes. Shout out to Tara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Illustrator for getting it, you know, grabbing the essence of Kavya and what, what we wanted to have. Yeah. And shout out to you guys for choosing a black illustrator, by the way. So, yes, shout out to your illustrator and also shout out to you guys for doing that because I don't know that everybody lobbies as hard, but we're seeing it a lot more and it does make a difference. So uh, I, I dig that. Um, I have to ask because you're both marketing geniuses and I know you're you're going to be launching a baby products line and you know, so are we are we talking like real Kavya swag here? Are we going to get some sequels? Is there going to be like a, a short film? Is Kavya going to like earn her first Grammy doing like the audio book? Like I need to know like what's happening. <laughs> but listen, it's good to have role models. So Blue Ivy really, you know. <laughs> Led the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hopefully once she, you know, can read. Um, <laughs> gonna, you know, we got to first things first. Yeah. We- <laughs> masters pooping in the toilet uh we'll go from there yeah but yeah no there's there's because of the response to the book that people have had um it looks like there will be more in the shady baby shady baby universe universe yeah um yeah i mean yeah we've got a blue ivy situation over here we got Alexis Olympia and Kai Kai over here. I feel like there's a pocket that Shady Baby could occupy that I'm I'm eager to see. And again, you have other children. I mean, are they thinking, I mean, you know, and I know that you've let them decide for themselves how visible or not visible they want to be at any given moment. So kudos <laughs> for that. But uh, are, are any of them working on any projects? Uh, no, Zaya gets more opportunities than probably any of us. And 
was like, I just want to really work on school and my, like hang out with my friends. And we're like, you got offered two covers of major magazine. <laughs> and she's like, but I'm like 13. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Oh, okay. I guess I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> how, many, how many minutes? <laughs> like, okay. But yeah, like we don't, we don't put really any, it's like what she wants to do. It's like for any of if you want to do it, we will make sure you have every resource, whatever else comes with it, you know, whatever you want to do. But no, what, what I what I loved recently was uh, we we did a family commercial for the first time, and it was it wasn't everyone. It was Cobb and uh, Zaya, and Cobb was like going to work. Like we had a like some ten or twelve. She had a little you know little set, and then once she got like a, she got her hair done, she got her nails done to walk the set. She was like, I don't want to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like, are we like, bad parents? Oh that God, we we're, we're Mama June right now. This is the moment where she's. You know, she's telling us, she's like, I don't want, I don't it. want it. I, I don't want, want it. it. We're like, yeah. And then there were pancakes and she was like, I want it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, anytime we do things as a, as a group, everyone has to agree. So it's like if somebody doesn't want to, they don't have to. Like, it's not like a, you gotta do it. Um, if, 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 you know, if you're not feeling it, they're not feeling it. But like with Zaya, with the, with the Merck campaign, you know, which is basically about like getting people to, to go back to the doctor and, and, you know, get your, have your well visits and, and recommended vaccines. It was in a direct response to all the legislature, you know, that's, that's popping up, that's anti-trans, that opposed to child abuse, that's stopping, you know, kids like her from seeking healthcare. So it was important for her to be a part of a PSA that is encouraging all families and all kids and, you know, to, to get back to looking after their health and their wellness. Um, but she turned down everything else. She turned, she turned down everything else. Like she's had so many opportunities where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is huge. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully they'll keep coming. And speaking of what's coming up, I, I guess my last question for you too, because you both have new projects coming out. And um, Gab, I'm sorry I didn't shout yours out because I was unaware we had another another piece coming up. Um, what are you two working on next in the literary world? On oh, the literary, I was oh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, what's next? Uh, yeah, yours coming. Well, your memoir, you know, it's coming up. I mean, there's things coming up, right? Yeah. Um, you got anything stronger? Yeah, I just ha I had so much more to say. So much has happened that I just wanted to to share and be very honest and transparent about. Um, when I realized, you know, during the last with the last book, we're going to need more wine. The book tour, it really truly felt like a revival. And I think after, I mean, hopefully we'll, we will be in post pandemic. Just the need to connect and that need to be seen and that need to feel like you're part of a larger community and that you're not drowning by yourself and that, you know, a lot of times, like just moving through the world, it feels like you're drowning in a crowded pool and nobody hears you screaming or thrashing. So that's what I want to try to help connect with this book and with the, with hopefully a more normal tour or maybe some kind of combo tour just to, just to connect. Cause I know, I mean, granted, these are my stories, but they're all of our stories and we just kind of need a safe space to talk about this shit because it's real. It's, it's real. And, um, if we can start healing from our traumas, we can start breaking some of these generational curses. Well, uh, my book comes out in November and it's roughly 
it's roughly like a coffee table kind of vibe uh, book where it's, it's over like 200 some photos that's uh, all been taken from my photographer. So it's, 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 it's photos of personal moments, it's photos of, uh, you know, on court moments, all these photos. And, and, it, and a lot of them have, you know, text and captions, you know, with them. And for me, it's a wrap up of my 16 year career, um, but it's also is also looking forward to the next phase because the name of my, my book is called Dwayne. And my whole my whole basketball career, I was D-Wade. And so you're going to see a lot of D-Wade in this book, but the, the nod to Dwayne just shows I'm in my second act and like this is me wrapping that up and I'm moving forward. So everyone would call me Dwayne and not D-Wade. That's the call. I don't think I've ever called you Dwayne. I know. I gotta, that's why the book is going to, I need people to start calling me Dwayne now. I'm not D-Wade anymore. That dude is he back there. And so I'm excited because I got an opportunity to share that with my fans. You know, people who have, you know, supported me throughout and to be able to get on some personal moments, um, some family moments, some friend moments, some stories that they don't really know. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited too, because I feel like our gift guide is going to be lit too this year. I'm like, November? That sounds right. That's good timing. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for making the time to sit down with The Root yet again. You know, we always love having you guys on and, uh, you know, keep it lit. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it so much. Yes. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Root Presents It's Lit is produced by myself, Maisha Kai, and Michaela Heck. Our sound engineer is Ryan Allen. Our theme song was penned by yours truly, along with producer Scott Jacoby. If you like the show and want to help us out, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you have any thoughts or feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Maisha. That's M-A-I-Y-S-H-A and at Maisha Kai on Instagram. And before we go, we always like to talk just a little bit about what we're currently reading. Now, I've been currently reading a lot of things, but I've just gotten an amazing book called Fade to Gray. This is about androgyny, style, and art in 80s dance music. It's by a professor and, and really just all around a Renaissance band named Adrian Loving, who has really drawn this amazing through line between, you know, the cultural phenomenon we know as the 80s. And, and how queer culture really influenced it and androgyny really influenced it from artists who identified as queer and non-queer alike. And I'm, I'm absolutely so into it as an 80s baby myself. And I say that as somebody who grew up in the 80s. <laughs> I'm just, I, this is a book that is just so up my alley and really speaks to my, my, my still childish heart. So <laughs> I highly recommend it. But. We will talk to Adrian soon. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. Until then, keep it lit.